It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Let's dive into it. What a night of hockey last night. And let's start with what was probably the most improbable and thrilling game of the night. The Devils come back from 3-1 down and beat the Oilers in regulation 4-3. This is becoming a thing now with the Devils. They've won eight of their first 11 games. They've won five in a row now. But last night was improbable. Now, I I was doing the pre and post for the Rangers and the Bruins, so I was trying to stay on top of this game. um, And Edmonton jumped out. McDavid, his league-leading 12th goal of the year. Devils tied on a wood goal. But then Ryan and Dreisaitl score in less than two minutes to make it 3-1. And you're like, okay, Edmonton, you know, they've got their legs. They're going to be in really good shape. And they take that 3-1 to one lead into the third period. And it's tough to come back from two goals down in Edmonton, second game on the road for New Jersey, and all right, it's not going to be their night. Miles Wood, who's probably one of the more underrated players on the Devils, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, but he's quick, he's tough, he's a real underrated player on the team. He scores his second goal of the night early in the third, it's 3-2. Now, by that time I had gotten into the car and I was listening to the Vancouver feed on satellite radio, and the Devils, the, the ice is tilted. Skinner is playing great for Edmonton. Uh, Vanacek uh, comes in. And he's playing very well for the Devils. And the goaltending's great. But you just get this feeling like the Devils are they're starting to come around here. That There's a chance that maybe they might be able to get the equalizer. Blackwood's got to leave again with injury. That guy just can't stay healthy. But uh, Vanacek came in in relief when he was in Washington to steal a point for the Capitals in Edmonton a couple of years ago. So he had been in a situation like this before. And there's like, you know, it's starting to get late. And you just wonder if the Devils are going to be able to get the equalizer. And then finally, it's 16.45. So 3.15 left in the game. Great individual effort by Ryan Graves, who's really starting to come into his own as an offensive defenseman. Ties the game up. And then... Off the faceoff at center ice, Heashier wins it clean. And then Marino, with a great stretch pass to Bratt, scores on a partial breakaway. In seven seconds, the Devils went from down 3-2 to up 4-3. And they hold on for the 4-3 victory. And it's really becoming a thing. We talked about it on the Wednesday podcast that everybody is talking about their speed. And you really see it on display, especially in a game like Edmonton. Those two teams were flying, flying. If this team can get a modicum of goaltending, they're going to be a playoff team. And again, I know it's early, but these guys are starting to play. I mean, Heashier's coming to his own. Bratt, Hughes, Mercer, you know, Graves is solidifying the blue line. I didn't see it coming, honestly. I I thought Lindy Ruff was going to be a lame duck coach. They fired all of his assistants, and that's usually the sign of the next shoe to drop is going to be on the head coach. And what are they going to do? Are they going to blow this thing up? And and they've been patient, and they can afford to be patient because not a lot of eyeballs media-wise on the Devils to just allow them to be patient and kind of find their way. 
And I've, I've compared them a lot to Colorado years ago where these young guys are starting to mature, and we'll see, we'll see what happens here. You know, and you take a look at the Metropolitan Division, another loss for the Capitals last night. They fall in Detroit to the Red Wings. If teams like the Devils are going to move into a playoff position, who is going to miss out? And the Pittsburgh and Washingtons of the world have to keep an eye on what's happening in New Jersey. Nice start for the Philadelphia Flyers. They may be the replacements for the incumbents who make the playoffs every single year in the Metropolitan Division, but a nice, nice win for the New Jersey Devils. Same can be said for the Islanders, who now have quietly won five in a row as well. A 5-2 victory over the Blues in St. Louis. Blues general manager came out sorry for the bad start, and his team absolutely lays an egg against the Islanders. And here's the thing with the Islanders, all right? They are scoring some goals, man. you, You looked at this team and you said, I just don't know... If they're going to be able to generate a lot of offense, they are plus 14 goal differential. Um, They're scoring five, six goals a night, and they're doing it without Matthew Barzell, who's been okay but not great. You know, Lee gets his sixth goal. Paul Mary has been contributing as well. Um, So they're playing well defensively. Brock Nelson's off to a really good start. He's got five goals, but, you know, Pajot only has a goal. Uh, Barzell hasn't really lit the lamp to the uh, extent where you think he would with his contract, and yet they're still winning. If Barzell ever begins to warm up, well, then the Islanders are another non-playoff team from last year in the Metropolitan Division that can make some noise. So that was a really good win. Uh, uh, Powerhouses uh, in the Eastern Conference, the Hurricanes and the Lightning. Lightning again off to that little bit of a slow start. Carolina wins this game in a shootout. Kucherov gives Tampa the 3-2 lead late in the second period, but Brady Shea scores midway through the third period to tie it. They go back and forth. Sebastian Ajo with the game winner in the shootout, so an extra point for Carolina last night. Very quietly, Vegas just continues to improve and and and, and get things going with a 5-4 to four victory. Now, they had to hold on for dear life in this one as both Giroux and Strutzla had scored twice, and the Senators did everything that they could to try to get back into this game. Uh, Stutzla's second goal came early in the third period, but give Vegas uh, credit. They held on for dear life to be able to capture that point uh, and, and be able to do it in regulation. So Vegas continues to be in first place in the Pacific Division, and the goaltending continues to be solid as uh, Vegas gets the Logan Thompson start, and he's been good so far this season. He makes 42 saves, so Ottawa threw everything but the kitchen sink at him, and Vegas is able to hold on. They only mustered 32 shots themselves, but they still get five goals for the win. Uh, A little history. It wasn't a great night for the Capitals in, in Detroit, but a little history for Alexander Ovechkin. Back to Sherratt. Cut off on the wall by Kuznetsov. Brought it to Ovechkin. He scores! And he has tied Gordy Howe for the most goals scored in NHL history with one team. History here at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Alex Ovechkin, 786. John Walton with a call on the Washington Capitals radio network. Fitting that it happened in Detroit, right? Alexander Ovechkin, as you heard John say, goal number 786 is sixth of the season. That ties Gordie Howe for the most goals ever by a player for one team. Gordie, of course, scoring 786 in Detroit. And where does Ovechkin tie it but at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit? Really goes to show you 
that uh, not a ton of goals scored after Gordy had left uh, Detroit in the NHL. Remember, he went to the WHA, so none of those goals that he scored in the WHA count towards his NHL total, obviously. So he obviously went to the Houston Arrows and then the New England Whalers, and then when the New England Whalers merged with the NHL to become the Hartford Whalers, he then was able to tack on a few more goals in the NHL as he finished with 801, and that's the number that Ovechkin's going after to become number two overall, and of course 894 is number one for Wayne Gretzky, but you know Capitals continue to struggle now uh, as they really sit deep in the Eastern Conference now, just 12 points in 12 games, minus two goal differential. They've actually played decently over the last 10 games, but still not a great start for the Washington Capitals or the Pittsburgh Penguins as both teams sit six and seven respectively in the Metro. That's why I'm telling you that these teams like New Jersey and Philadelphia putting us on the pressure in the Metropolitan Division. So a real interesting start there. Uh, other games of note, the Kraken are starting to get things going. A 4 nothing victory over the Wild. Wild are just a mess right now. They're not scoring a ton of goals. They're giving up way too many. Martin Jones gets the shutout, faced only 22 shots. Uh, so credit the Kraken, who had a typical expansion year last year. So the way that things are normally going to go, want to take that big stride in the second year. And right now we're in third place in the Pacific Division with 14 points. They're 5-4-1 in their last 10, but they have quietly won three in a row. So the Kraken on the board. Uh, Blackhawks continue uh, to surprise some people early in the season. Jonathan Taves gets his seventh of the year. That's also a big surprise. Early favorite for comeback player of the year. 131 into overtime as they get the point, uh, extra point over the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, how about the Calgary Flames? They put up a dud at home against the Nashville Predators by the final score of 4-1. to Forsberg, Yossi uh, with goals to Shane as well. Um, the Canucks win a wild one over the Ducks, 8-5. to You wonder if changes are coming in Anaheim. Another loss at home at Mullet Arena for the Coyotes. They've only won once on home ice as the Stars put up a touchdown with a 7-2 to win over Arizona. So just an absolute mess right there in Arizona with the arena situation, just not playing well. Uh, just a mess there. Uh, Robertson uh, had a, a couple of goals in that game uh, for Dallas as the Stars continue to march on in the Central Division. And the Panthers got a must-needed win in the shootout over the Sharks. The final score there ended up being 4-3. to three. Barkoff had a big night for the Florida Panthers as they're off to a little bit of a slow start so far uh, this season. But that's where we stand as we head into the weekend as it was a great night of hockey for the Devils and certainly a great night for the Islanders as well. We should also mention the Rangers. I talked about doing the pre and post there. Uh, as they lose to the Bruins, the Bruins are just a scary, scary, scary good team. They won 10 of their first 11 games. And it's not like they're healthy. There was no Krejci last night. They played the entire season so far with maybe their best defenseman in Charlie McAvoy. So they're banged up. Swayman didn't make the start. Linus Olmark made the start. Only faced 20 shots. That was the problem with the Rangers last night. They just couldn't generate any offense at all. Uh, which is frustrating. There was a big hit by Schneider, which I thought would wake the Rangers up a bit in the second period. Never really materialized, and uh, we had two fights going with Gaudreau, with uh, Frederick fighting Gaudreau and then uh, Greer fighting Schneider after the big hit. Perfectly legal hit. If you glanced at the hit, you would think it was uh, Truba, but it ended up being four, not eight, with the big hit. But you know, if you're going to, the problem with Boston has always been 
can they get the secondary or tertiary scoring? Or are they relying way too much on their top line? Hall's had a good start to the year. Uh, DeBrusque had a good night last night with a goal. Uh, they're getting some help from their uh, blue line as well. Uh, they also got some really good work from their fourth line last night. They just look like the better team than the Rangers right now because Boston is, uh, and we'll talk about it in the top five coming up in just a little bit, clearly the best team in the league. And, you know, I was kind of dubious about the uh, releasing of Cassidy, who's done a great job in Vegas. But Montgomery has come in and has really had this team playing well. So they just got Marchand back. Bergeron decides he's not going to retire and stick around. That's good. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get better. And when you take a look at that uh, Atlantic division with Tampa off to a bit of a slow start, same with Toronto, not crazy thought right now that the team to beat in the Atlantic division might turn out to be uh, the Boston Bruins. Only 11 games into the season. You look at the start that Florida had last year, and it didn't buy them out of the second round. So it's still very early. We're not even a week into November, and some teams haven't even played double-digit games yet. But so far, Boston looks like the cream of the crops. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So since we're talking about the top five, let's do our first of the year. It's Friday. It's time for our top five of the week. Don LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Cracking the top five for the first time in a while. The New York Islanders, you're probably going to have to go back a couple of years. And as I mentioned when I recapped their victory last night in St. Louis, they are scoring a ton. I don't know how sustainable it is, but you sprinkle that in with the goaltending of Sorokin and just the defensive style that they are already playing. Uh, The Islanders can be a very, very dangerous team. Off to a really good start, playing just as well on the road as they are at home. So they didn't have the Achilles heels of last year's COVID situation, having to start the first 13 games waiting for Belmont to open and the Islanders are looking great if they can ever wake up Matthew Barzell this Islanders team can be very very dangerous I have them at number five number four the Dallas Stars uh, got a chance to see them firsthand last week. Um, they they're they're doing it without Heskinen, so their their best defenseman has been out, and yet they still have found a way to continue to win games. And it's not like Sagan is popping either, but Robertson is really becoming a star player on this team as they've really rounded out their offense. This has always been a very quietly underrated hockey team. Uh, very well coached, just a, a great structure, pretty deep team, uh, and it has showed so far in that Central Division. I have the Dallas Stars at number four. 
number three. Well, right now they're the hottest team in the NHL outside of Boston. That's the New Jersey Devils at number three. It doesn't really seem to matter as much about the goaltending, whether it's Vanacek and Blackwood, but both have done a decent job. But really what it's about, the speed and these young players coming into their own. You're seeing Bratt emerge as a star. Heashier is finally healthy. Same with Hughes, if he can stay healthy. Mercer has been a terrific player for this team. Sharon Govich is somebody also very, very underrated. Graves is turning into a real good offensive defenseman. I thought the Marino pickup was very good from a veteran standpoint. He's played in playoff games before, uh, and he was the one that uh, sprung the game-winning goal last night late in the third period. I think New Jersey, whether it's sustainable or not, we'll see, but I think it's also a culmination of a lot of young players, a lot of draft picks, and a lot of patience of New Jersey finally bearing fruit. I've got them at number three. Number two. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team this year, and it looks like I'm dead wrong, but the Vegas Golden Knights among the best teams in the National Hockey League and the best team in the Western Conference. And it's not just about Eichel either. They're just getting uh, they're getting decent goaltending. They are coached. You could see what Bruce Cassidy was able to apply in Boston and bring it to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I thought that they were going to really miss Pacioretty. So far, has not been an issue for them. And in a Pacific division that is eminently winnable, Vegas right now looks like the team to beat. They are at number two. Number one. I mean, clearly, there's no question that we have to be talking about uh, the job that the Boston Bruins have done so far. Winners of 10 of their last 11 games. If it's not Pasternak, it's Hall. If it's not Hall, it's Bergeron. If it's not Bergeron, it's Marchand. Uh, Coyle has been a very good player for them. He's got five goals on the season. DeBrusque had his fourth last night. They got Pavel Zaka from New Jersey. He's been contributing. And another very underrated player that may be a real difference maker for them is Lindholm has just been terrific. He's got four goals. Uh, there's just a lot really connecting here with the Boston Bruins. And, and you could talk about that Atlantic division being as open as the Pacific division. And right now, uh, Vegas and Boston eerily similar in the way they go about things, although I think there's a little bit of better defensive structure in Boston than there is in Vegas. But right now, you've just got to love what the Boston Bruins have done. And I think easily they're the number one team in the National Hockey League. Who are you the taking out? team this week. I'm not taking anybody out. There's a lot of teams that serve, certainly deserve a lot of credit uh, and in the top five, but it's always debatable, and you can do that with me at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. All right, let's close out the week with your tweets, and let's start with Ron Pizza, who says, Trivia time. Devils played back-to-back games featuring brothers on opposing teams. Hughes brothers in Vancouver and McLeod brothers in Edmonton. That's pretty interesting. Can you recall another instance when something like this has happened? Thought it was a Thought it was really interesting. All right. Well, I started thinking about it. If you're just talking about ever, I'm sure it's happened a bunch of times because there's been a lot of brother combinations. You go back to the years when when the Hull brothers were playing together and all the times the Sutter brothers had to play back to back games. But I was I was more thinking specifically it's ever happened to the Devils before where they had to play back-to-back games. So I started thinking, well, Rocky Trottier was, I believe, the first draft pick of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, It never really worked out. And, of course, his brother Brian certainly worked out. But there wasn't really any other brother combinations on that team. Then I thought about Sundstrom, the Sundstrom twins. Um, One was in Washington, and then Patrick played for the Devils. And at the same time, Dave Brown 
probably in the early 90s had a brother Greg who played for the Buffalo Sabres. So there could have been an instance where uh, the Browns brothers played one night and the next night the, the Sundstrom brothers played. I, I, you could look it up. I'm sure it's happened a bunch of times in the NHL, but specifically to the Devils, I'm not sure. But you know, certainly the Hughes brothers and now the McLeod brothers. Pretty interesting stuff. And uh, I didn't think about that. Good job by you, Ron. Uh, Yankees and Penguins chase for 28. Hi, Don. Which team would you say is more likely to make the playoffs as of now, New Jersey or Buffalo? Hmm. Interesting. Both off to good starts. I might. Right now, the Devils are playing better. Buffalo is certainly a team that could have been in contention for the top five. Um, Now, you have to ask yourself, okay, who's got a better shot? of being in the top three of their division, right? So you look at the Atlantic division, Boston, you figure Tampa's going to be there, Florida, Toronto. You figure Buffalo's going to have to settle for a wild card. Now, if Pittsburgh and Washington don't recover, Blue Jackets, you know, they're in Finland now taking on Colorado. There's a 2 o'clock game today. might even be over depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But the Blue Jackets, Washington, Pittsburgh off to really slow starts. So who are the guarantees in the Metropolitan Division? Carolina, Rangers, maybe the Islanders. You know, so then you start to think maybe it's New Jersey because they may have a better shot of finishing in the top three in the Metro than Buffalo would. But very, very interesting question. I like uh, where your head's at with that one. David Hines says, although it's early, which teams off to rocky starts could put coaches on the hot seat? Sheldon Keefe is a popular choice, but I'm wondering when the clock is going to run out on Dallas Eakins in Anaheim. And I mentioned that when I was giving the rundown of the scores last night. You know, it was a bad year last year. They got off to a hot start, if you remember, and then it kind of just faded. Now they're off to just as bad a start as uh, they had a finish last year. So he pops into mind. Is Bruce Boudreaux going to be in trouble in Vancouver if things continue to go sideways there? You know, those are probably the ones... Because remember, Vancouver almost made the playoffs last year. When Bruce got there, there was a spurt from Vancouver. They were just a little too far. But much like can you get 52 goals from Kreider, can you get 99, 100 points again from J.T. Miller in Vancouver? And where are you going to get the points if Miller kind of falls off a little bit? So those are probably the other candidates. David B. says, are the Bs for real? Uh, How can you say they're not? I mean, uh, maybe the goaltending could end up being a problem for them in the playoffs, you know, Swayman has not really been there, to, to, with the exception of last year. Do I think Olmark is going to get things done? Uh, Kincaid is there as insurance because of Swayman being hurt. So will the goaltending kind of fall apart for them? But they're doing all this without Charlie McAvoy, who could very easily win the Norris Trophy in any given season. Um, they have injuries, so I, I, I got to say that um, that I think this is very, very sustainable. JJ asked the question, hey, Don, big fan of the K-Show. Quick aside, what is the context of the drop where you are mocking saying, if you don't watch USA soccer? As for hockey, what do you think the next step is for the Blackhawks in their rebuild to complete the new uh, the near to, to compete in the near future well the context of the you the talker was just how some fans hockey fans too they complain about not talking about things like soccer like hockey 
and I was kind of just mocking the callers who, instead of talking about what they want to talk about, just complain that we never talk about what they want to talk about. So that's the context of that. I'm not making fun of soccer. I'm kind of just making fun of the fans that complain that we don't talk about their favorite sport. As far as the Blackhawks are concerned, eventually they're going to have to come to some sort of a decision on Kane and Taves. Now, Taves is off to a great start. Could they move him? Uh, Would they want to move him? Kane looks like it's a foregone conclusion. That's why I wouldn't get too caught up in their start because they are committed to this rebuild. So I still think they're more apt to sell than to add. I mean, you know, you look at what they've lost in the offseason with DeBrinket and Kubalik. So I still think that it's it's just a matter of when they decide to move on uh, from those guys. And it'll probably uh, be sooner than later, especially if Taves is going to play the way he's playing. James says, hey, Don LaGreca. Would love to hear your thoughts on the current state of the Rangers. It feels like they are slowly starting to find their rhythm, but still playing below their ability. Any concerns for their season at this point, or is it still too early to tell? It's way too early to tell. One thing that pops out to me, even though he sustained his first regulation loss of the season, Igor Shosturkin doesn't seem as lights out as he was last year. Now, does that mean that that's going to continue throughout the rest of the year? But he does seem to be a little bit more beatable than he was at this time last year. But I, I wouldn't say goaltending is any kind of concern at all, although Halak's played three games and has lost all three. I think they sometimes are a little too skillful and fancy for their own good. Last night, a perfect example. Too many passes. Drive, get pucks to the net. Linus Allmark is not Jerry Cheevers, all right? You can't get 20 shots on goal and expect to be able to win a game against the Boston Bruins. More traffic in front. Dirty goals. This team is highly skilled. I see it on the power play where I think they've got the best power play in the NHL. Stats will not show that, but they spend an inordinate time in the offensive zone. Crisp tic-tac-toe passes. Dave and I were blown away last Sunday when we were in Arizona because we were right on top of the action at Mullet Arena to watch this power play work as a thing of beauty. However, are they getting enough shots on net? Do they have the shot to finish from the point? Um, these are things that have to get answered. They're fine. Okay, they're, they're, they're a playoff team. But the one thing that Dave Maloney has said, things did not really come together for the Rangers until after the deadline when they were able to get cop and Vetrano. Those were two guys that really helped them get over the top and were major contributors to their run. Well, Vetrano's in Anaheim and Kopp is in Detroit. So, And it's going to take a little while for Voracek to be able to build up the chemistry that Strom had with Panarin. And the Rangers are hoping that Kraftsoff can stay healthy. Uh, we're you know, a dozen games of the season, three separate times he's had to leave game because of injury. You're playing without Heedle. So I wouldn't get too crazy on the Rangers not looking that dominant here. But they're just coming off a three-game winning streak. They're scoring goals. They're winning face-offs for the first time, it feels like, in over a decade. Uh, I think it's a little too early to start freaking out about anybody positively or negatively but we analyze it on a daily basis and this is the formula that we come up with all right so we had a lot of fun today our top five you want to argue it we got a big weekend of course the columbus carolina situation columbus and colorado excuse me they're going to be in finland two o'clock game today and tomorrow and we'll see how those teams react you know both teams off to slow starts we saw what happened with nashville and san jose having to go out to the czech republic and both of them took like a few weeks to get their sea legs back really can't afford colorado's one thing they're off to a slow start but they should be fine but if columbus ends up coming back 
a little slow and take a couple of weeks to get their sea legs back, they could bury themselves out there in the Metropolitan Division. So something to keep an eye on. All right, we'll try to hook up with EJ on Monday. You know, recap the weekend, get his thoughts on the early first month of the season. Want to get in touch with me over the weekend at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney on Sunday at 5 o'clock from the Garden when the Rangers take on the Detroit Red Wings. I will talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.